Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. If we were to ask the average person to identify the main topic of last week's Parsha, Parsha's Kisese, the answer might be the birth of Yaakov's sons. This is a slight technical error because the birth of Yaakov's daughter Dina is mentioned just as prominently as that of her brothers. Besides this technical error, though, there is a deeper and more fundamental error in this statement. In this week's Parsha, Parshas Vayeshev, we read that Yosef was sold into slavery by his brothers. The brothers attempt to cover up their sin by telling their father Yaakov that Yosef had been eaten by a wild animal. But Yaakov was not to be consoled. As we read in Perak Lamed Zion, Pasik Lamed Hay, Vayikra Yaakov Simlesov, Yaakov tore his garments when he heard the news, and he placed sackcloth around his waist, and he mourned for his son for many days. And all of his sons and daughters got up to comfort him, and he refused to be comforted. Rashi comments on the phrase, all of his daughters. We know that Yaakov had many sons, but we're also only aware from Parshas Vayetze of one daughter. So how could the Pasuk say that all of his daughters, plural, attempted to comfort him? And so Rashi quotes a disagreement that is found in the Medrash. And Rashi says as follows, all of his daughters, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, twin sisters were born with each Shevet, with each one of Yaakov's sons who became the father of a Shevet, and they married them. We'll talk more about those marriages later. But Rabbi Yehuda tells us that, in fact, Yaakov had many daughters. With each Shevet was born a twin sister. Rabbi Nechemia Emer, Rabbi Nechemia says, Knanias Hoyu. No, these daughters were Knanias. These were Canaanites, Canaanite women. Elamahu So what does it mean that all of his daughters got up if they were not actually his daughters? So Rabbi Nechemia says, Kaloisov. These were his daughters-in-law. These were Canaanite women who had married his sons. So they were Yaakov's daughters-in-laws. A person does not refrain. A person is accustomed to call his son-in-law my son and to call his daughter-in-law my daughter. So these are two ways that the Midrash explains who are these Benoisov? Who are these daughters of Yaakov? According to one opinion, they are twin sisters of the Shvatim. 
who were married later at some point by each Shevich, or they were the daughters-in-law of the Shvatim. Before we look at how this relates to our Pusik and our opening question, let us examine Ranban's commentary on this Pusik. Ranban actually, a little bit later on Perik Lamed Ches, uh, Pasuk base, comments at length about the Machlekes in the Medrash that we just read from Rashi. Ranban suggests that both opinions actually agree that the sons of Yaakov did not marry Canaanite women. Rabbi Yehuda clearly says that. He says they, they married their own sisters. Rabbi Nechemya, who says Kananiyos Hoyu, he says that they were Kananiyos, Ranban suggests only means that they married not their sisters, but women of various nations who had settled in the land of Canaan. They're called Kananiyos because they were living in Canaan, but they were not actually uh, ethnically Canaanites. And so, of course, the question arises, and why not? Why did they not marry Canaanites? Ramban gives two explanations. The first one is that we see from earlier in the Chumash that Avraham went to great lengths to prevent Yitzhak from marrying a Canaanite woman. Woman, He sent his servant Eliezer on a long journey to find a wife, someone other than a Canaanis, for his son Yitzchak. And we find that Yitzchak and Rivka also sent Yaakov to Aram Narayim for the purpose of finding a wife so that he should not marry a woman who was a Canaanite. That is, and therefore, the Ramban implies, we can, uh, the, the Shvatim and Yaakov, uh, although we don't find in Chumash specifically that he told his sons not to marry Canaanite women, but since his grandfather Avraham did not want his son to marry a Canaanite, and since his father Yitzhak had not wanted him to marry a Canaanite, so we can assume that uh, Yaakov also must have told his sons not to marry Canaanite women. Then the Ramban says the second explanation, which he prefaces by calling it Alderech Asfora, by the way of logic. And here he says an idea which is almost uh, Zionistic in its content. Uh, I'm often uh, unimpressed when people make this uh, great discovery and they say Ranban was a Zionist. I have no idea whether Ranban would have agreed with uh, modern uh, political Zionism. That's not my topic. But to, to make such a statement so casually always seems to me to be inappropriate. But certainly, as we'll see in a moment, the Ranban's svara here is very much in accordance with many other statements that he makes that indicate his love for the land of Israel and his understanding of the land's central role in the Torah. The Ramban says here, I'll read a few words, It is not proper that they should all marry Canaanite women. That there should be Amongst those who inherit the land in just a few generations, there should be people who are from the Zerah meaning 
the, the children and the grandchildren of, of, uh, of the Shvatim, of Yaakov's children, if they will marry Canaanites, so their children will also have uh, a certain uh, Canaanite element in their makeup. And it is not proper that amongst those who inherit the land should be people who are descended from Canaan, who is a Eved Ha'oror, who is the accursed slave, going back to Parshas Noyach, such people should not be amongst the inheritors of the land right alongside the seed of Avraham. The Pasuk, later in the Torah, commands us to destroy the nation of Canaan. He should have no remnant. And therefore, when Ban is explaining that since the, the children of Yaakov, the sons of Yaakov, understood that their, their descendants will inherit the land of Israel, they understood as a svara that it is not appropriate that their children should have any Canaanite blood in them, or at least not that that should be the general practice to marry Canaanites. Another question that must be addressed is, according to Rabbi Yehuda, that the Shvatim married twin sisters who were born at the same time that they were born. Why weren't these daughters mentioned in Parshas Vayetze? In Parshas Vayetze, we read about the birth of all of Yaakov's sons. We read about the birth of Yaakov's daughter, Dina. But if there were all these other daughters, why aren't they mentioned in Parshas Vayetze? And here we come, we return to our original question. What is the main idea? What is the main topic of that whole narrative in Parshas Vayetze? Is it about the birth of Yaakov's children? And the answer is not exactly. It is about the birth of the Shvatim. And the proof to this can be found in the Psukim regarding the birth of Dina. If we go back to Parsha uh, Perak Lamed, Pasek Chafala. We read as follows. Perak Lamed, Pasek Chafalaf. So we read that uh, Leah had given birth to four sons. Later, she gave her maidservant Zilpah to Yaakov, and she bore to Yaakov two more sons. And then, in Pasuk Chafalaf, we read Va'achar Yolda Bas. And afterwards, Dina gave birth to a daughter, Batikro Eshemo Dino. And she called her name Dina. Rashi says on this Pasuk, that the name Dina tells us about the circumstances of this little girl's birth. Says Rashi, Pirshu Rabbi Seinu. Our rabbis explained. It's a Gemara and Mesech de Brochus. Shedona Leia Din Ba'atzma. Leia made a din. She made a judgment on her own. She made the following 
judgment. The following calculation. If this child that I am presently bearing is a male, then my sister Rachel, who has not had any children at all yet, will not able to reach even the level of one of the maidservants. Zilpa, the maidservant of Leah, bore to Yaakov two sons. Bilha, the maidservant of Rachel, also bore to Yaakov two sons. Now Leah said to herself, I have four sons already that I bore personally, two more born by my maidservant. If I now have another son, so then altogether there will only be room for one more child to be to be uh, to be born by my sister Rachel. And this would be quite embarrassing for Rachel, that she could only give birth to one child, not even as many as one of the maidservants. Leah made this calculation, says Rashi alav, and she prayed upon the fetus that was in her womb, and it was changed into a female. And that little girl, she named Dina, like the word Din, this judgment or calculation that she made. Immediately thereafter, we read that Rachel finally conceived and she gave birth to a child whom she named Yosef. Now it comes out that we can now understand why the birth of Dina is mentioned in Parshas Vayetze, whereas the birth of a whole bunch of other daughters was not. And the reason is because this Parsha in Parshas Vayetze is not about the birth of Yaakov's sons. It is not even, to be exact, about the birth of Yaakov's children. It is about the birth of the Shvatim. It is about a Nevuah that Rashi tells us, a prophecy that the matriarchs had that Yaakov would father 12 Shvatim, 12 heads of tribes, which would become the fundamental structure of the Jewish nation. And he had four wives, and therefore it made sense that each one should give birth to three. It turned out that Leah had four of those sons. She made a calculation that if she has one more, her poor sister Rachel will not even have as many as one of the maidservants. And therefore, she prayed that that fetus should change from male to female. And so it happened. The child was born, a, a girl, and was named Dina. So this narrative, this, this pasuk about the birth of Dina is not about the birth of another child who happened to be a girl. It is part of the story of the birth of the Shvatim. Because Dina, because this fetus was born a female, who was later named Dina, because of that, there was room for Rachel to become the mother of one more of the Shvatim. And now, I believe that we can understand why Dina's birth is mentioned in Parshas 
explicitly, but the birth of these tuumos, of these twins that were born with each of the shvatim, is not mentioned. Because, again, the purpose of Parshas Vayetze, of that long narrative in Parshas Vayetze, is not to tell us about Yaakov's children, but rather to tell us about Yaakov's shvatim, about the shvatim that become Klal Yisrael. The Maskil the David, the great super commentary on Rashi's commentary on the Torah, also addresses this question, why the births of these twin daughters was not mentioned in Parshas Vayetze, although he starts from a peripheral point. The Maskil the David begins with the Rashi that, with which we began, that Rabbi Yehuda says that that twin daughters were born together with each shevet, and they married them. Before we go to the Mosque of the David, let us mention what is said by Ramban and several of the other commentators. That, uh, for example, uh, Ruvain, the, the first of Yaakov's sons, he was born together with a twin daughter, but he didn't marry that twin. He married a twin from one of the children of Rachel or Zilpah or Bilhah. Because Ramban says, others say that for B'nai Noyach, for the children of Noyach, meaning for all of humanity before the giving of the Torah, it was forbidden to marry Achos Minaov. It was forbidden to marry a maternal sister, a sister from one's mother. It was permitted to marry a sister who was only related to you from the father. So therefore, uh, Ruvain would have married one of the twin sisters from, let's say, uh, one of Rachel's children. And uh, Yosef, well, Yosef married someone else, but let's say... Uh, Yisachar, who was the son of Zilpah, would have married one of the sisters of uh, perhaps of uh, Shimon or Levi, and so on. Anyway, the Maskil the David raises the question on Rashi, why does Rashi add on that the Shvatim married these sisters? Why does Rashi add that on? He says Rashi's primary intent is simply to explain who are these binosav, who are these daughters that are mentioned in the Pusik that they came to comfort Yaakov after the supposed death of Yosef, after the disappearance of Yosef. The Pusik says binosav. That's a good question. Who are they? And Rabbi Yehuda answers that these were uh, Yaakov's daughters who were born as twins together with the Shvatim. But why would Rashi have to add on that last word, Vinasum? Now, the question itself is very interesting. Rashi got that last word, Vinasum, and they married them, from the Midrash. However, we see from the Maskil the David that even when Rashi quotes the Midrash, we should expect that he would only quote the exact part those exact words of the Midrash that are necessary to explain the simple meaning of the Pusuk that is before us. But even one extra word that Rashi would add, not that Rashi would add 
from his own mind. But one extra word that Rashi would copy from the Midrash, if that word does not help to explain the Pshute Shal Mikra of the Pasik that Rashi is working on, we have a right to ask, why would he add it? And the Moscow the David gives the following very interesting answer. He says, perhaps, Rashi put in this last little point of Vinasum, that the Shvatim married these sisters, because Rashi knew that there's going to be a kasha on this opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. The question, the kasha is the kasha that we mentioned, that if Yaakov had all these daughters, why aren't they mentioned in Parshas Vayetze? And he says, the answer is, Rashi hints to us the answer by saying that each of the Shvatim married one of these twin, one of these twin sisters. And so the Maskal the David says, Loihuskaru, therefore these sisters are not mentioned in Parshas Vayetze, the Vishahoyun is Suez the Achayem, because they were married to their brothers, the Hamit Felaislahen. And they are tofel, they are secondary to those brothers. So in other words, when it mentions in uh, in Parshas Vayetze that Reuven was born, it was not necessary to mention, oh, and also he had a twin sister, because that twin sister was married, let's just say, for argument's sake, that twin sister uh, eventually married uh, Yisachar. And therefore, when we mention that Yisachar was born, that includes that daughter. Of course, this, I think, really goes back to what we were saying before, that the main point of Parshas Vayetze is not to tell us who the children of Yaakov are, but rather to tell us who are the Shvatim. And therefore, it was not necessary to mention these daughters because they all married, each one married one of the Shvatim and is therefore included when that Shevet is mentioned. Maskele the David concludes with the word V'daychak. He admits that this is somewhat of a forced explanation. I believe that when he says it is a forced explanation, he means it's a little bit forced to say that that's why Rashi added on the word Vinasum. But the answer that he gives, that these girls are not mentioned in Parshas Vayetze because they were married to the brothers, meaning to the Shvatim, and therefore they are included in the mention of the Shvatim, I believe that that is a good answer, and the Moscow the David never meant to say that that is a forced answer. In conclusion, we see from this discussion that even something so simple as identifying the main idea of, a, of that long narrative in Parshas Vayetze requires us to think carefully and to consider all of the details that relate to it. In order to understand the main idea of that, uh, of that narrative in Parshas Vietze, we must very carefully analyze and come to the, I believe, the proper conclusion that it is not about the birth of Yaakov's children, but rather about the birth of the Shvatim of Klal Yisrael.